Praise the Lord. Go ahead over to Ezekiel 47 tonight. We're going to use that as a good starting point. That's a verse that has meant a whole lot to Pastor John in recent time. And uh, uh, with good reason. And I want to talk to you tonight. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, just uh, uh, praying today and as, as the saying goes, looking to keep our spiritual antenna uh, tuned in to, to what, what the Lord's direction would be. It, it just seemed real good to go this way today and talk about what I call stepping it up. Someone say, stepping it up. Stepping it up. Of course, with the idea of stepping it up, what, what that means is that if you're doing something, do it. And do more of it. If you're doing something, do it and do it with more zeal. Do it with more fire. Do it with more enthusiasm. We're good now, Charles. Whatever you did, it worked. Thank you, my friend. Uh, and, and so that, that's, that's what I believe that the Lord was uh, bringing us to tonight. And, and especially as, as something that is very fitting for, for, for starting a year off, it is a great honor to, to be able to address you right when 2013 is new. And, uh, and, and, and that, that's a great privilege for me. And I, I believe that what, what the Lord will accomplish tonight. You see, the vision for the church comes from the senior pastor. You understand that? Yeah. The, the vision comes through the head of the local church. He's the one that God speaks to. But I believe that what we can do tonight as, as someone who, who gets to assist and stand by the senior pastor is we can say the same thing. I can say the same thing in a different way than, than, than he would say it himself, but it is the same thing. And so I believe that the Lord's going to reiterate some things tonight that are in line with the vision of where pastor is uh, uh, being led by the Lord to bring us in this time to come. Amen. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 47. Are you there? Yes. Well, uh, uh, let's start with verse 1. We'll, we'll read the first five verses. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters and the waters came up to my ankles. And he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And uh, I read that to you, understanding that water is uh, uh, typical of the Holy Spirit. Jesus identified over in John chapter 7 that those that believe on him, that out of their belly or out of their innermost being would flow rivers of living water. And here we see a scenario where the prophet Ezekiel describes him at one point being up to his ankles and another point being up to his knees and at another point being up to his waist and another point being just over his head. That, that last one, I, I will date myself by remembering this commercial. But anybody besides me remember the Nestle Plunge? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and somebody said, what's that, Pastor Ray? Oh, no. Because you see, I remember the day when, when people would talk about old commercials that I never saw. And I thought, whoa, I'm too young to know that. 
But now there's people that say that to me, and it's, it's not so fun when the shoe's on the other foot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but the, the idea of the Nestle Plungette, that old commercial, that guy, he, he, he wasn't just uh, taking a little sip. He wasn't just uh, 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 satisfied with a little bit. He wasn't satisfied till he just, boom, took the, the full body plunge. And I'll tell you, there is something about the direction that, that I believe that the Lord is taking us. And uh, pastors uh, definitely had it on his heart. He's had this particular passage on his heart. People that are uh, uh, ankle deep need to stop being content with being ankle deep. And realize that there is more of God and more of God's spirit available to you to experience and to enjoy and to allow him not just to to work in you by his spirit, but to work through you by his spirit to a deeper level than you've allowed him to up till now. So if you're ankle deep, it's time to go knee deep. And if you're knee deep, it's time to go waist deep. Mm. And if you're waist deep, it's time to just stop being cute about it and get over your head. <laughs> Hallelujah. There, there, there's, there's something about the way that God does things. See, God prepares before he does something. And what we've heard from our pastor very consistently is God's getting us ready and he's getting us ready for something and he's taking us somewhere. We've heard that. We've heard that consistently. That is a pattern of God. God does not just do something with his people. God's a God of preparation. I talked with Pastor Mike today and told him how I've been enjoying a study, my own personal study, of the life of John the Baptist and what the scriptures say about that particular prophet of God. But, but the thing about John the Baptist is, is that you see God's nature of preparation in the fact that he would feel the need to send somebody ahead of Jesus a forerunner, someone to prepare the way so, so that he would go and have a ministry that was not about him. He'd have a ministry that was all about the one who was to come. People say, are you the Christ? No. Are you this guy? No. Are you that guy? No. Well, who are you? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was sent ahead of Jesus by God to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. And he did his job and he did it well. But you see something about the nature and the character of God there. That God does things in preparation. God has it mapped out. He doesn't have good thoughts or ideas because He's God. God don't have good thoughts or ideas. He said, oh, that just dawned on me or anything like that. That might happen to us, but it doesn't happen to him. Because in the mind of God, clearly mapped out exactly what needed to be done back to eternity past. Knew exactly who needed to be in place, what needed to be done, and what needed to be said in order to put in order his entire plan for mankind, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? So I, well, I just bring that up to say that uh, we've heard a lot of the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the words of our pastor in recent time about God taking us somewhere or, or God uh, getting us ready for something. And I want you to know that that is something that perfectly fits into the way he does things. As a matter of fact, before there was a Solomon who built the temple, 
There was his daddy David who gathered gold and silver and rubies and diamonds galore in order that his son Solomon would have all the goods necessary to build that temple for the Lord. So we see that as part of the nature of God. That's a little side journey, but it's a good one. But the idea of stepping it up, going further, <clears throat> going deeper, Second Corinthians 3.18, Paul talks about us going from glory to glory. And it's interesting, and I mean, glory is a big subject all by itself, but one thing that the Bible does let us know about what glory is, and, and it's also right there in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18, he talks about going from glory to glory, but 2 Corinthians 4.17, he talks about uh, what, what he calls a, a, an exceeding and eternal weight of glory, not W-A-I-T, W-E-I-G-H-T, like Lifting weights, a weight. And the idea of the glory of God, it, 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 it's a, a weighty thing. And if you can go from glory to glory, that means you can really go from one level of weightiness to a deeper level of weightiness. What is key is this. Some people are... Uh, what we'd call shallow. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Shallow people. They don't have a whole lot of depth to them. They're very surface and uh, uh, kind of uh, marshmallow fluff, shall we say. And, and, and they lack any substance. They lack meat and taters. <laughs> but but uh, I believe that God is calling us to be people who are going to a new level of weightiness in him. See, when the glory of God is manifested, and, and, and there are some beautiful things we see in the Old Testament of the presence of God filling the house of God, where the glory of God shows up to a dimension where the priests could not even stand to minister. That's because of the weightiness of the glory that was in that place. That, that, that even if somebody wanted to get up and do something, the, the air was too thick and too heavy with God himself for someone to get up and, and minister. Hallelujah. Sounds fun. Well, that was old covenant, which means new covenant's even better. Because in the new covenant, you're not just looking for God to fill the the house in the sense of the physical building of a, a church, which he, believe me, he does. And you can expect more and more. But, but the temple of God now, who is it? It's you. It's me. We are the temple of God. And imagine us going to, to new levels of glory, new levels of experiencing the presence of God, new levels of experiencing the weightiness of God, that our lives and our words carry more weight, that we used to say something to a, a, a friend or a loved one that we wanted to reach and, and sometimes felt frustrated like the words just fell flat fell down to the ground, but then you get around God and you get around his glory and you get influenced by his glory. And then the same words that you used to say that fall flat now seem to carry weight. Mm. The same words that you used to say that didn't seem to go anywhere now seem to carry an impact. Because you're going from glory to glory, one level of weightiness to another. Hallelujah. Stepping it up in your spiritual hunger. That's what we're talking about here. We're going to talk about how to step it up in several, several different areas. But the first one is in, in your spiritual hunger. You got to, like we said earlier, stop being satisfied with ankle deep. Go for knee deep. Go for waist deep and just go for the swim. It's interesting over in Acts chapter 1. 
Jesus uh, had, had ascended into heaven. He had uh, spoken his, his final words. And everybody's looking up and the angels show up and said, why do you stand here gazing? The same Jesus that you've seen uh, go up is coming back in the same manner as you've seen him go. And, and uh, at that point there, we see people gathering in the upper room to continue with one accord in, in prayer and supplication. Why did they do that? Because Jesus told them to. Because Jesus told them that they should tarry in Jerusalem until the coming of the Holy Spirit. Well, now the Holy Spirit's come. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to wait any certain prolonged period of time to receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's here. And he, he's ready to fill you. And if you're ready to be filled, that's it. You can experience all of him that there is. But, but, but here in, in this initial situation where the, the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, in that particular instance, they were told to wait. And, and the interesting thing, you, you, you see a, uh, a if, if you read surface in the Bible, you, you miss some nuggets. For, for instance, when, when the more you read the Bible, the more you can do what I call connecting the dots. And understand this, 1 Corinthians 15 reveals that Jesus was seen by over 500 people after his resurrection. But the amount of people that were here waiting and praying in this upper room and the amount of people that were there when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost was nowhere near 500. It was 120. Now, I just got to tell you this, that it, that bugs me. And it ought to bug everybody. That there would be people hearing the commands of the head of the church. Hearing that the Holy Ghost is coming. The Holy Ghost is going to fall. You just wait. Don't go anywhere until you're endued with power from on high. And what, what happened? Even though Jesus was seen of 500 after his resurrection, you have about a quarter of that here in the upper room. Well, I, I just look at it this way. If there's only a quarter of the people that are going to step it up, I want to be part of the quarter. How about you? Hey, hey, hey. hallelujah. But, but I, I, I just... Uh, uh, I, I just believe that it is time to set aside things that would distract us. I mean, imagine, you, you can think of it now and say, boy, if I had a chance to be there, I wouldn't miss anything. And you know what? It's easy for us to say. You had people that, that were, were in doubt and unbelief concerning Jesus and who he was and they were having things done right in front of them. And they still hardened their heart and did not believe. So, I, I, you know, the, the idea of people today, well, if I could see, then I know for sure. When there were people right there in the day, the scripture makes it clear. I mean, things happened right in front of them. They doubted. Things happened right in front of them that should have impacted their lives forever. Could have impacted their lives forever. And you know what? They just went along and, you know, had a little thrill, forgot all about it, or, or just didn't follow through. And you see, the idea of us stepping it up, what's it about to use a golf term for those who play golf? I, I do sometimes, but, but my golf game is like the Bible verse that says, uh, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. That's my golf game, y'all. But uh, anyway, the, the, the idea of, of, of a golf swing, it's a, a strong point of emphasis to follow through on your swing. Follow through. When you're swinging a bat, any kind of swing, the idea is you follow through. And the idea of stepping it up, and, and the, going in the direction that, uh, that uh, I, I really believe the Lord wants us to go tonight, it's the idea of following through, not going halfway, not, not, not just trying something or, 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 or dabbling with something. See, you don't have to try God. You don't have to try the word. Like, you know, I'm going to try the word to see if it works. The, the, the reality of it, the Bible says the word of the Lord is tried. 
it's already been tried and it works. So I, I love the statement I heard one minister make right here in here. I don't remember exactly what minister it was, but he said for anybody who would say, oh, I tried the word and it didn't work. He said, I'd like to tell them that the word tried them and they didn't work. <laughs> All right now. Stepping it up in spiritual hunger. John chapter seven, we've made reference to it earlier. John 7 is the, where Jesus, on the great day of the feast, the scripture said, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, I, I just got to tell you, I am baffled that somebody would be content living their Christian life, not being baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, I just, I want to be shaken up. And I want to help to shake you up in any way I can to not be satisfied just staying where you're at when you know that there's more to attain and more to enjoy and more to experience in him. We cannot be just satisfied with where we're at. When the Lord wants to take us further and deeper in him. So the, the idea of getting deeper into the spirit. Spending more time with him. Spending more time in prayer. Spending more time praying in the spirit. And having a desire for things that God wants us to have. You know, the scripture says very clearly over in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. He said, uh, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he said, but pursue, uh, uh, actually, he said, earnestly desire the best gifts. I once heard Pastor John say that the best gift is the one you need at the moment. <laughs> I agree with that. Amen. Amen. But how many of us are doing that? How many of you are desiring spiritual gifts? And you see, we've got such a narrow way of looking at spiritual gifts to begin with. Can we talk? Oh, can we talk? See, coming out of the background... That, that I come from before coming here, uh, a, a, a lot of uh, full gospel, Pentecostal churches, people that love the Lord, but their idea of spiritual gifts is when somebody gets up and says, my little children, or, or says, thus saith the Lord. And, and if you don't have those little, what, what I call taglines on there, then it's not recognized as being the gifts of the spirit. And you know what? That, that is so shallow that, that, that people would think that because they totally missed the opportunity to hear the Holy Ghost when the Holy Ghost isn't using their little taglines. And I've seen ministers minister where they are just going along preaching and you, you almost see like something happened to them. It's like something just stepped up. Something just went into another mode. And it's like, wait a minute. They're just not teaching like they were a minute ago. They're speaking with a different authority, a heavier weight than they were just a minute ago. So they're speaking under the inspiration and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to, when talking about spiritual gifts, sometimes our thinking is so narrow that, that if it's not dressed up like we are used to seeing it dressed up, that we don't think it's happening when it can be happening all the time. And, and, and the other issue I have is, is people uh, often have a mentality of spiritual gifts as though I'm going to church to see the show. I'm going to church to watch what's going to happen. 
But it's interesting when you look at the ministry of Jesus and when you look at the acts of the apostles that the gifts of the spirit aren't just taking place in church, but the gifts of the spirit are taking place outside the four walls of the church. Does that sound familiar to somebody? The fact that pastor has been hammering that for, for some time, the, the idea that, that, that church is not just what's happening here and it's not just, uh, you know, our little group and our, our little session, but, but it's, it's the idea of, of us being the church, not just on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, but outside the four walls of this church. Imagine that God would give you a word for somebody out there somewhere. And that you would give it to them in regular conversational tone. Don't have to put on your holy prophetic tone. <laughs> Don't have to act like you're somebody or something you're not. You just be who you are and give somebody what the Lord's given you to give them. You don't have to put on your preacher voice or your prophetess voice. Don't have to look funny or look deep. You just be a regular person obeying God and giving somebody else what God has given you to give them. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stepping it up. We're talking about stepping it up in, in, in our spiritual walk, but also stepping it up in our, our faith. Pastor John's been preaching about hope. And I tell you that, I, I got to tell you, and, and you can call me biased if you want, but I've heard a whole lot of Bible teaching, and I've heard people teach on hope before. I have never heard hope taught as absolutely wonderful as Pastor John has taught it in this last series he did. I mean, it's off the hook, y'all. That's some serious good teaching. But, but uh, uh, the, the Bible talks about abounding in hope as well. And, and you know, that, that's really what I was looking for today. You know, as I was uh, studying, what does the Bible tell us to, to abound in? Because if we're supposed to abound in something, that means we're supposed to have lots of it. And that means very likely we're supposed to have more of it than we got going on right now. Which means we need to step it up in that area. But you can step it up in your hope and in your faith. Hope, as Pastor John's been talking about, what, what, what you're able to, to, to see. What, what, what you're able to, to see that your faith then, as Hebrews 11.1 1 teaches us, gives substance to it. But before your faith can give substance, it needs to have something to give substance to. That's what the hope is. What you can see. Well, I don't see it here. But these aren't the only eyes that you've got, as you well know. You've got eyes in here that can see the unseen. And when you see that thing that, that you know the Lord wants you to have, that thing that you know it's his will for you to have it, whatever it is, you know his will, his word's clear on it. There's not a single doubt about it. And then you see something on the inside with the eyes of your heart. And then your faith then can uh, give substance, cause to come into the substantive realm, what you've seen. See, what you've seen is real. What you've seen sure is real. You saw in the realm from which everything came. Because <laughs> you understand this, that everything that uh, is seen was made of things that are not seen. The, the, the intangible word of God made the tangible world in which we live. So what, what faith does is faith gives substance, tangibility to the hope that 
that, that you have uh, seen, the, the hope, that which you have seen, which you had to look into the other realm to see because it wasn't here. But you had to look there to see it. You saw it was provided for you there in that other realm known as the realm of the spirit. You, you, you saw that it was provided for you. You, you saw that it was yours. You, you, you saw that it was available. And, and, and then you, you, you see it. And then with your faith, you, you, you can, in essence, seize it. Grab a hold of it. Cause that thing to not just be in the realm of the spirit, but right here in this natural realm, in this material realm. Now, why am I saying that? Because the Lord wants us to abound in both our hope and our faith. Romans 15, 13 tells us that, that, that we should abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 17 talks about us going from faith to faith. Which means that, that our, our hope and our faith needs to be going somewhere. It needs to be stepped up, just like other things that are, are God's working with us on. Uh, uh, we, 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 need to, we, we need to be diligent in, in these areas. You know, Second Thessalonians talks about our faith growing exceedingly. I mean, you see that in the Bible. Don't you want to know how it happens? Don't you want that? Or you want to be stuck where you are? You, you, all you got to do is look at the ministry of Jesus and you can clearly see in the ministry of Jesus levels of faith. Because Jesus identifies it. Identifies it very clearly. Some people had great faith. Some people had little faith. Some people had no faith. But Jesus will identify where people are in their faith, which means there are different levels, which means you can grow. And like I said to you a minute ago, Paul said to the Thessalonians that their faith was growing exceedingly. Are you satisfied with where your faith is? Or are you saying, you know what? There's more. There's more ground to cover. There's more things for me that I need to seize a hold of that are mine, that, that I've been going without. I should not be going without something that's mine. I mean, is the idea of you getting an inheritance just to say, well, isn't that nice? I got an inheritance. Well, you know, you know what you inherited? No, don't, don't have a clue, but I got an inheritance. What are you going to do with the inheritance? Oh, no, I'm not going to do nothing with it. I got it, but I, I don't need to know anything about it. And I ain't going to do anything with it anyway. Uh, if that happened, naturally speaking, y'all would look at somebody like they had three heads. Say, what is wrong with you? You need to find out what you got. So you can get out the old shack you're living in and you might be able to live in a better place. You know, naturally speaking, we'd think that. But, but spiritually speaking, how many of us are, are, are just sitting on a, the, the gold mine of the universe and, and, and content to do so? I don't want to be content to do so. I don't want to be content to just stay where I am and to not advance and experience all that God's got for me to experience. See, the, the, it would be a tragic thing. I mean, it'd be wonderful for you to get to heaven, but it would be a sad thing for you to get to heaven and then have to be educated of all the things that are yours and have been yours all along ever since the moment you came into this kingdom that you never enjoyed and took advantage of. What a tragedy that would be. As a matter of fact, it, it, it reminds me that there's a, one little verse that the Lord spoke through the prophet Obadiah. And, and he said that, that the house of Jacob should possess their possessions. Think about that. Possess their possessions. Well, if it's my possession, why do I need to possess it? Well, it's for the same reason that you could have an inheritance and not know what's in there and not be doing anything to find out what's in there and not be doing anything about enjoying and gaining access to what's in there. 
You know, it's like the story I heard uh, 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 told of a, uh, a man who, who uh, uh, died li- living in a, uh, in, in a sack, old clothes. I mean, just beat up as can be. And, and the belt he was wearing, uh, if I remember the story right, he just came across it somewhere. And, and this belt buckle had a little compartment in it that he was not aware of. That had in there enough money for him to be living a whole lot better than he was living. But you know what? He never did anything with it because he didn't know. We don't have that excuse. We know we've got something. Some of us are getting a little bit of a glimpse into what we've got. But some of us are still sitting on it and not doing anything with it. And I'm preaching to me too. Because there are things that I'm enjoying in my walk with God and glory to God. I, it's wonderful. But I see that there's things that, that, that I ought to be walking in that I'm not walking in the way I should be. So this is the giant confessional booth tonight. If you don't know, now you know. That there are things that I need to be walking in that I'm not walking in the way I'm supposed to. So I'm just glad to tell you that I've got this preached to me like I'm preaching it to you. It got preached to me first. Hallelujah. Don't be satisfied. Step it up. See, what time is it? Oh, Lord, 830. All right. Step it up in your spiritual walk. Why don't you open up to 1 Thessalonians 4? First Thessalonians 4. Stepping it up in your hunger for spiritual things and your, in your hope and, and in your faith. Hallelujah. Stepping it up in your spiritual walk. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 1 says this. It says, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So what would we should be abounding more and more in is how to walk right, how we ought to walk, and how we ought to please God. This very same chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4, gives us some, some real good clues about how we ought to walk. Uh, verse 3 says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So that's a good one right there. Which means as you're looking at your life and looking at your walk, if there's somebody tripping your walk, there's a good old song. I think Ray Charles did it. It's called Hit the Road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. And you know what? There just might be somebody here tonight that needs to tell Jack to hit the road. Hey, now. But this same chapter also, uh, verse 7, says that uh, God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. And, and, and so, so there's a call. God has made it known that it's his will. God has made it known that he's called us to live our lives a certain way. And if the calling's there to do it, then the ability's got to be there to do it. Because God's not going to call you to do something that you can't do. You can live a holy life. 
Don't let any devil, don't let any dumb person tell you you can't live a holy life. You got the Holy Ghost living in you. Holy Ghost, get it? He knows something about being holy, don't you think? You can live a holy life because the Holy One lives in you. And he's not just there to catch a ride in you through life. He's in there to help you. He is your helper. Hallelujah. So if you're realizing the need to step it up in your spiritual walk and uh, to get some, some rough ways smooth and uh, straighten out some things that are crooked, the Lord is available to you and in you to help you do that very thing. Now let's talk about stepping it up in, in, in another matter of our walk. Our, we're, we're talking about stepping it up in our walk of holiness and our walk of pleasing God. But let's talk about stepping it up in relation to walking in love. Walking in love. What does the Bible have to say about that? Um, well, just stay where you're at for a minute. And we're going to read several things out of the first and second Thessalonians. I'll just read this one to you. Philippians 1 9 says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Talk about stepping it up. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Paul prayed for the church that they would step it up in the area of their love walk. You're in, uh, let's see, you're in 1 Thessalonians. Go to 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. And then we'll go back to 1 Thessalonians and read a few more. What does the Bible have to say about stepping it up in your love walk or walking in love more and more? <laughs> 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says this, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. The love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. Abundance of love. Love abounding. So in other words, if love's abounding, so if you're the bank, and the love's money, someone should be able to uh, go ahead and get a nice withdrawal out of you. And yeah, and you're, you're about to say, yeah, they got a withdrawal out of me. They just drained the account. <laughs> you know, God's talking to some people tonight because, you, you know, you can look at uh, what, what walking in love as a, a concept. But, but you know, what, what, I, what I believe that the Lord wanted to do tonight is, is I, I believe that the Lord wanted to put somebody's face in front of you. Someone who'd been driving you up a wall for a long time, and the Lord said, that's it, this is the time to, to set aside the, the, those old things and to set aside all that old stuff. And, 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 and you know, you, you don't have to be around... Uh, getting bitten by a dog that bites you. I'm not talking about something like that, but I'm talking about you being free yourself and walking in love and walking in forgiveness yourself and have an abundance of love. How can I have an abundance of love, Pastor Ray? Well, let's see. You're the temple of God and God is love. Hmm. <laughs> Might there be a connection there? Hey, love dwells inside of you. So, so once, once again, the issue is not that we don't have something. The issue is that we've really not been walking in what we have. So I believe that what's happening tonight is an awareness of what we have access to and a call to go get it, a call to go deeper. Hallelujah. Are you with me? All right, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3. <laughs> First Thessalonians 3, verse 12. 1 
First Thessalonians 3.12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Here we are, increasing and abounding in love to one another and to all. So just in case you, you wanted to forget about that person's face that the Lord brought to your attention, that they would be included and to all. So you can't leave them out. They're included. Hey, now. All right. Chapter four, same book. Chapter four, verse nine and 10. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Wow. And what's this all about? This is all about loving. Walking in love. So we're, we're told in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. The love of every one of you abounds towards each other. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. The Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 10 says, We urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. More and more in what? More and more in your love walk. Well, how important is that? Well, let, let me just tell you. A few things about how important it is. First of all, Jesus said that, that other men will know that you are his disciples by your love for one another. So it, it's good advertisement for the kingdom of God. Shall we say that? Good advertisement for the kingdom of God. How else is it going to help you? Well, Jesus said that... Uh, <laughs> If you don't forgive others their trespasses, then uh, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Is that good motivation? I think so, yeah. And how about this? The Bible says faith works by love. Faith works by love. And imagine you being in a place where you need your faith to be in high gear purring like a kitten, running like a well-oiled machine. But you still mad at old what's-his-name, what's-her-name? <laughs> well, we can talk, can't we? We're in church. It's all right. You're in a safe place. So I, it, it, it's just time. Who cares about what happened with what's his name, what's her name? We need to get over it, move on, walk in love, because ain't nobody, ain't nobody on earth worth having my pipes clogged. Ain't nobody worth having the pipes between me and heaven clogged up. As a matter of fact, Think about the power that you're giving somebody by the dumb things they did to you or against you that you would sacrifice a blessing of the Lord that you could be walking in just so you could enjoy being mad at them. How enjoyable is that? That's not enjoyable. People fighting for the right to hold on to their grudge. My goodness, let it go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's see, we're going to wrap this baby up. And we're hitting a whole lot of stuff tonight. I mean, you know, you're talking about stepping up. Uh, you know, that, that's a broad range of things that we can potentially step up. But I want to hit some highlights of some things that I, I, I believe that the, the, the Lord wanted for us tonight. And, and things that are certainly in line with the, uh, uh, the direction that, that our pastor is going. So how about stepping it up in your giving? You know, an interesting thing I want to read to you. 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 through 7, it's recorded there that, that Paul was talking about the, the, the offering that was uh, being received 
for, for the church and, and how some actually gave uh, what, what he describes as a, uh, in, in an affliction in uh, a great trial of affliction. They, they were in hard times. And, and he said that, uh, uh, that, that, that they gave, uh, let me read it to you. It's verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 8. He said that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. I mean, they were in a position where they were hurting financially and still gave and gave liberally to this situation. Amazing. See, people think, well, that's, that's crazy. Well, not that, that's people that know what to do to get out the mess. <laughs> Glory to God. But, but uh, uh, down here, it, it says, it's talking about the grace of giving. And, and uh, uh, it, it tells us that, that as we have abounded in other graces in, in, in our faith, in our speech, in our knowledge, in our diligence, that we should abound in this grace also. The grace of giving. Abound in it. If you're abounding in it, <laughs> then uh, you're, you're not being cheap. You're not being stingy. You're not, you're not holding back and trying to hold on to something. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I've got my own translation of a verse in Proverbs. Uh, and, and it goes like this. There, there's somebody who holds on to what's in their hand and they get poor. But there's somebody who lets go of what's in their hand and they get more. So that's the RZ translation right there. There's somebody who holds on to what's in their hand and they get poor. There's somebody who lets go of what's in their hand and they get more. Hallelujah. The grace of giving, abound in that grace, the scripture tells us to do. Now, let, let's talk about, as we wrap up tonight, what about some things related to the local church? That's one of them. Our giving to the local church as well as our, our giving to individual members of the body of Christ that we see have need or the Lord directs you to give something to somebody. Do it. Don't, don't be slow about doing it. Do it when he tells you to do it. Because it, it, you know why he's telling you? Because they need it. They need it when they need it. And what a wonderful way for the body of Christ to work, for the Lord to be able to tap you on the shoulder and say, somebody needs uh, some extra money for groceries this week. Why don't you go ahead and uh, slip something to them on Sunday morning? And and that would be it. Uh, You know, it's it's interesting. What, what, What could happen if if we had a a Christmas connection card drive that, that, that was just Holy Ghost inspired because people listened to the Holy Ghost to find out what people's needs were. I mean, we saw a beautiful example of the love of God at work and giving at work and what we were, uh, uh, what we saw accomplished here in the house last month, the month of December. That was a beautiful thing. Are you with me? But, but that's not limited to that kind of scenario. The Lord wants to connect you with people all year round. And he knows who's got the need. And he knows who he wants to meet the need through. Hallelujah. So, so we see that, that as being something that, that is vital to the life of the local church. And you know what? You just being at church is vital to the life of the local church. And what does the Bible say over in Hebrews 10, verse uh, 25? Not forsaking the assembling of yourself together, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more. Sounds like step it up to me, huh? Yeah. As a matter of fact, what about hearing the word and giving heed to the word? Not, not just saying, oh yeah, that's another sermon, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But actually giving heed to the word and doing it. The scripture says also in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 that we should give more earnest heed 
to the things that we've heard, lest we drift away. I don't want to drift away. No way, I don't want to drift away. So, so what, what do I do if I don't want to drift away? I'm giving more earnest heed to the word. And what else am I stepping up in? How about a little bit of 1 Corinthians 15, 58 that says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I mean, talk about things that are related to the life of the local church that you and I can step up. Step up our giving, our operating in the grace of giving. Step up in just being here, being a support of what's going on in the house. Step up in taking heed, doing something with what we're hearing. And then stepping up in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now abounding, what's abounding? That, that means there's an abundance of it. Always, what does that mean? That means it's happening all the time. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Say, Pastor Ray, uh, if I step it up as much as you think I should step it up, I think I'm going to be like really tired and worn out. No. As, as a matter of fact, I can guarantee you this. The, the more you step it up, the more you want to. The more you want to. I mean, th- this is not about just doing it enough to get by. I-, I went to church and fulfilled my my Sunday obligation. I went to church on the Sunday before Christmas, so I didn't have to go on Christmas Day. So I punched the clock, you know, punched the time clock for the week. See, we can't have a time clock mentality. We, we can't have a do, do as little as I got to do to get by mentality. God wants us to step it up. And as we start this new year of 2013, if there was one thing that, that I really believed in my heart, the Lord wanted to get across to us tonight, it would be just that very thing. Step it up. There might have been something we didn't cover tonight that God's been all over your case about. He gets on my case about stuff too. It's all right. And you know, it's wise to listen to the one who's right about everything. I mean, you're going to argue and win the argument? Not a day will ever happen <laughs> where you win that argument. No, let's do it. Let's step it up. Let's go the direction he's going and go there with more gusto and zeal than ever before. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time we've shared together. Lord, I pray that the word that's been planted tonight is taking root in the hearts of the people. And Lord, that you're having your way and doing what you desire to do in the hearts of all of us, bringing us up to new levels in you, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, that we're increasing and abounding in our love towards each other that we're increasing and abounding in our, our, our giving and our uh, 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 attendance to the things of God, our taking heed to the word of God and our doing the work of God. Thank you, Lord, that you are doing mighty things inside of us and that we're not going to be able to be satisfied with what has satisfied us in times past. No longer satisfied with what has been the status quo of our lives. But we're going on to experience all the wonderful things that you've called us to experience and we will not be cheated. We will not stand before God and have to hang our head in shame that we had an inheritance that he fully intended us to utilize and enjoy And we never even hardly looked into what was in it. Father, I thank you that this 
this year, 2013, is a changing point in our lives, a changing point in our thinking, a changing point in, in, in the, our paradigm, our way of seeing life, our way of seeing the world, our way of seeing the kingdom of God. That we would start to see things like you see them, think like you think, talk like you talk, act like you act, and enjoy the fruit thereof. In Jesus' name.